Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. So this entire month, we're going to be talking about prayer. We're using Thich Nhat Hanh's book, The Energy of Prayer, for inspiration. And, uh, and each week, we're going to take a, maybe a new look, a different look at this thing that we call prayer. Today, we're starting off with the basics. And in fact, so basic that I'm allowing some time at the end for questions and answers that you might have uh, about uh, prayer in general. Where I want to start today, though, is why do we pray? In Science of Mind communities, there tends to be a focus on prayer that has some kind of a result. And so we might pray for someone who's ill, hoping that they'll be made well. We might pray for a a new job. We might pray for a relationship to be repaired or something like that. And so in some ways, our prayers commonly are wishing to achieve some goal. But I want to suggest that that's only one part of prayer, maybe even the smaller part of prayer. Prayer simply is talking to God in the same way that meditation and contemplation is listening to God. So the bigger part of it is simply to have that conversation, to have that connection to our higher power. And when you start thinking of prayer in that way, oh my gosh, so much of what we do is prayer. Whether it's uh, maybe chanting on Sunday, whether it's uh, reading uh, aloud something from the Science of Mind magazine or from Scripture, there are any number of ways that we bring a prayerful expression of the divine into our lives simply because we want to be connected into something that's a little bit larger than just our own selves. We recognize there is something more in the universe than just me. We can listen to it through contemplation and through meditation, but we also can speak to it. That, that communication can be two ways with this thing called prayer. And so whether it's a, a prayer that we're hoping for results or whether it's simply a prayer to uh, elevate our consciousness, all are fair game. And we actually do a lot of it here on Sunday when we do our chants, when we do singing, when we do prayers from the platform up here. All of those are ways of communicating with God. But you know, Maybe I'm even skipping ahead a little bit. I said I wanted to start with the idea of why do we pray, but maybe even a more fundamental question would be, to whom or what do we pray, right? And of course, I have a joke for that. (laughs) So two young boys were spending the night at their grandparents a few weeks before Christmas. At bedtime, the boys knelt beside their beds to say their prayers, when suddenly the youngest one began praying at the top of his lungs. I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for an iPad. I pray for an Xbox. Well, his older brother leaned over and nudged him. Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf, you know. The little brother replied, no, but grandma is. (laughs) And, uh, And I'd like to suggest that that sometimes... Sometimes our prayers have that kind of flavor. We may not be praying to grandma, but but sometimes it feels a bit like that. When I hear people who so patently are 
missing something in their lives, whether it's love or whether it's uh, it's abundance, whether it's a job or whether it's uh, close family relationships. When someone is missing it, you can almost feel the longing. Has anyone here, do you know what I mean by longing? It's it's not a word that we use so often anymore, but but I'm sure at one point in our lives or another, we've all really longed for something whether it's love or whether it's a a job where we can express ourselves more fully, um, whether it's uh, something that has gone wrong and we're kind of longing for the antidote. Maybe it's ill health and we're longing for those days when we could accomplish everything that we wanted to do without worrying about the energy or the health that would provide it. Well, the trouble with this is it so totally separates that which we desire from the the force or the spirit that could provide it to us. And and I want to take a look at that a minute because oftentimes what I discover is we have this idea of us lowly specimens down here on the planet and our salvation so far removed from ourselves that we have to shout like the boys hoping grandma would overhear. But I got to tell you, I don't think that's the way that God works. I think that God made us and didn't step away. God God actually made us out of God's stuff. And from that perspective, we are, if you will, a, a, a piece of God's consciousness. And that's why when we say that God is present everywhere, it's because God is everything. God, by definition, has to be everywhere. And whether you call it God or spirit or, or the divine, uh, you know, regardless of the name, uh, in a way, our definition is that God is present everywhere. So, of course, omniscient, omnipresent, um, you know, capable of, of all of the powerful and beautiful things we would want. But when we set ourselves totally apart from it, in fact, let's get back to the longing one more time here because i what i notice so often when i hear people doing their prayers their prayers is i hear that bit of longing and it seems so clear that they're nowhere near what they want to experience and for me that that highlights the fact that that God is somewhere else, that God isn't in the midst of our affairs, that God isn't interested in what's going on in our lives. And I just don't think that's true. And I think the mistake, if there's a mistake, of course, there's never a mistake in prayer, I don't think. But but if there's a a likelihood that things aren't going to work out the way we want, it's because we're identifying more with the lack than with the, the power and the beauty and the force that could bring that which we desire. We, we emphasize, we, we picture ourselves in the misery. And what I know about the science of mind is that which we focus on, we tend to get more of. That, that which we call unto ourselves is simply going to be our experience in life. And so when that longing thing is going, it's almost like we're wrapped up in the emptiness of it. And I think we could start expecting to see more of that. That almost becomes our prayer. 
there, right? We list out all the 35 different ways that we're suffering, and that becomes our prayer. We, we talk about how, how we really don't have and can't get what we need and want, and as we separate ourselves from that good, I think we've actually separated ourselves from that idea of the divine, from that, that very greater force than our own selves that could bring us that joy, that could bring us that hope, that could bring us that peace or, or love or whatever it is we desire. Let me read something from, from our book here that in a way was startling to me because I had no idea that the Buddhist had been studying Ernest Holmes. And, and, and of, course I, of course, I know that's not true. If anything, it was probably the other way around, right? It was probably Ernest Holmes that studied the Buddhist. But, but bear with me here just for a moment for this reading. If a spiritual being has made matters the way they are, why should we pray? Shouldn't we respond with the question, why not pray? In Buddhism, we have learned that everything is impermanent. Today we're in good health, tomorrow we may be in ill health. Today we are in ill health, tomorrow our ill health may longer be here. Everything goes in accord with the law of cause and effect. Therefore, if we have a new energy, a new faith, a new way of thinking, we are able to open up a new stage in the life of our body, in our mind, and in our spirit. We and God are not two separate existences. Therefore, the will of God is a part of our will. If we want to change, God will surely support us in that change. Oh my gosh, it's like lesson done. <laughs> and so what that tells me then is our prayers are not so much a, a pleading our case to some distant guy sitting on a golden throne. Our, our prayers are an affirmation of, of our heart's desire. It's not about what we don't want, it's about what we do want. And it's also about a celebration. It's also about being grateful and thankful for the many gifts that we've already received. We know in science of mind that that which we are grateful for and that which we focus on both tend to increase. It tends to be highlighted in our lives. And so uh, if we're missing love, uh, the more love we see active in our lives and the, the more love we're grateful for, it, it simply expands. If we're lacking abundance or if we're lacking something else, by celebrating that element of it in our lives right now, be being grateful for the food that we do have, the air that we can breathe, by being grateful for that which we have, of course, it brings more to be grateful for. And so our prayers perhaps become less and less about bemoaning what we're minus and instead, simply a celebration of the good that we have and a good that we're expecting. Our desires can simply manifest as good that we haven't yet happened to show up. Sometimes I like to think of, of our prayers not that they have to go anywhere or do anything. In the, in the warehouse that is the universe, of course, anything we could ever want is present. 
And, and I like to think of it not as some way I have to figure out how it gets from you to me or, or worry about, you know, some intermediary that can make it happen. I rather think that it's simply there for me. And, and when I pray, it's a greater realization that it is simply mine to experience and that God will take care of the details of, of how that will come about. When I pray about love, it is with confidence and knowing that the world is filled with love and that God, of course, can bring that to me. When I, when I pray about health, I, I recognize that the, the planet itself is, a, is an example of health 99.9% of the time and that that too can be my gift. And as I pray for it, I'm not, I'm not worried about what's lacking, but rather a celebration of the health that I have. I try my best to, to see my own will, if you will, or my own desires as the will and the de desires of spirit itself. I do believe God wants love. God is love that God wants and is health, that God wants and is all of the good that exists to be, to be felt and experienced and had. In fact, maybe that's how God gets to experience those things, is through us. Have you ever thought about that? Perhaps our whole reason for existence is so that God can get a sense of what a delight it can be to be a human being embodied, right? What, what if our whole purpose for being here is so that God gets to enjoy itself, so that God gets to feel love in a, in a human scale as well as a spiritual scale? What if we're here so that God can feel rich, so that God can feel loved, so that God can feel at peace, right? And, and of course, all of those are qualities of God, but we, if you will, we're the ones that get to experience it on this plane, and God through us. So our prayers too, if you think about it, when we pray for something, I've heard it said, well, I don't want to pray for that. It sounds so selfish. It sounds so so little and small and selfish to be praying for a new job when there's so much going on that's wrong in the world. But I would suggest to you, first of all, there's no big and no small in God. And if God truly is all-powerful and everywhere present, then you're not going to be overlooked. We're right in the middle of it. And two, when our prayers are answered, God's prayers are answered. When we feel fulfilled in that new job, God also gets to experience a human sense of fulfillment. So it's not selfish because uh, there's plenty of gods go around, right? Right? And, and it's also not picky and small because there's no smallness in the divine. It's just as easy as God, for God to bring about a new job for us uh, as it is to, to solve some much, uh, much bigger global problem. It's not taking away from anything for our prayers to be made known. It's simply allowing God to experience that same joy or that same peace or that same love that we have. Well, I have a whole month 
more laid out about prayers. But one of the things I thought I would try today is just answering maybe some questions that you might have about prayer. Some of them uh, I think we'll be able to answer, answer today. Some of them I'll, I'll use as fodder for sermons for the rest of the month. But, uh, but I would just like to open it up to any questions that you have about prayer, either in general or about the kind of prayers that we do here or, or anything along those lines. So just raise your hand and bl- just blurt out a question. Yeah, Amanda. Uh, since I was little, I've always felt weird. Like I have to start it off with like, dear God, or, or dear something. Like that always puts me up. But every time I feel like I want to pray. So let's talk about that for a minute. I think what we're struggling with here, Amanda asked, why is it that I always feel like I ought to start off a prayer with like, dear God, almost like it's a letter or something. But I think you've caught upon something that is really important. And that is the idea that God can be personal and loving and, and, and truly someone that you could write a letter to. I mean, even though what I know from Science of Mind is it's working through our own higher wisdom self. I mean, our letter, if you will, our prayer doesn't have to really go anywhere because God's everywhere. But still the idea of having a personal relationship with God is a very sweet and important thing. In fact, one of the things that I love from more traditional Christian prayers is almost the idea that God walks with you and is with you always. And and, and even though in a literal sense, uh, that doesn't necessarily jive with how we view things in science of mind, the sense of that personalness of the the idea that God is on our side is, is huge. So I would say anything that makes us feel comfortable with our prayer, uh, why not have it in there? If it feels good, uh, like you are writing a letter to God, I say keep it in. Uh, But if, on the other hand, it feels uh, uh, awkward or if it feels strange, um, you know, leave it out. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to approach the divine. In fact, maybe the only mistake would be uh, just to feel somehow that our prayers uh, wouldn't be heard and to be too shy then to pray because of that. What other questions uh, do we have? Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just wondering how separate prayer should be from like meditation or affirmation. Okay. So the question is, should we keep our prayers separate from meditation or affirmation? And I would say no. In fact, many people's spiritual practice will include both. Uh, sometimes people will do meditation and then follow that up with prayer. And and sometimes something will come to you in the middle of a contemplation, for instance, that might uh, might spur you on to do a prayer right on the spot. If you think about it, we're just talking about different pieces of a dialogue. So it makes sense that in the meditation, insight might come to us, God speaking to us through our higher wisdom self, and, and then we might want to respond with a prayer. So yeah, it makes, totally makes sense to me, yeah. Question back here, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking maybe what my question is might connect to his. Uh-huh. Might be part next week. But if a person such as myself was brought up not believing I could have what I want, oh, and you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. How do you get from that point of understanding? God that is all, so that you can ask for that, fill that part. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if I can summarize that for you and, and not be too far off, there is for a lot of us the idea that I'm not worthy of the things that I desire. 
that somehow to even ask for it is inappropriate. That if God wanted me to live well, I'd already be living well. And so there must be something in me that's almost inviting the poverty or the lack of love or something like that. Well, we do have to dispel that, don't we? Emma Curtis Hopkins was famous for saying, there's good in the universe and we should have it. That there is no reason that God would not absolutely want us to be happy, healthy, joyous, abundant, peaceful, all of that. And so in a way, in our humanness of thinking perhaps that we're not worthy or not capable, we're the ones that are, are, are making it so it, it doesn't happen. We're the ones saying um, that this is all I deserve or this is all I should expect. And, uh, and, and so that unfortunately is our prayer for, for really feeling, yes, I can embody this new change. Uh, it really can be for me. Yeah, Marilyn. I hope you will cover in this month of teaching the ability to recognize the tangibility of the power of prayer. We would not be here if someone had not prayed for us. Mm -hmm. Our lives would not be viable. We would not be able to do what we do if someone was not praying for us. Mm -hmm. So we are the evidence that prayer works. Mm -hmm. Our very lives, our very existence is the evidence that prayer works. And uh, to tag on, so, so what Marilyn was saying, that really our existence is based on prayer, that our existence is based on the idea that that divine creative process is working. And, and when Thich Nhat Hanh in the book said, it's the law of cause and effect, that's the power of prayer. That's what, uh, you know, the metaphysical jargon, if you will, that goes with prayer is the law of cause and effect. So our very existence is a manifestation of both personal and collective prayer. Uh, yeah, Bill. I'd just like to say a, uh, say something about the Word, because it was scary work to be as, as a youngster and growing up until I discovered uh, Science of Mind. And, and it was a great relief to hear a different explanation of what uh, was meant by prayer, and that just felt or someone called the spiritual mind healing treatment. Mm -hmm. That spoke to me. I understood that. Mm -hmm. I, it made it real for me. I still struggle a little bit with the word, but... <laughs> Bill's talking about treatment, meaning an affirmative kind of prayer, but he's also talking about the idea of the word. And, uh, and any of you who have studied scripture, you know, there was the word and there was God and it, and it is that creative force. It's not, it's not word with a little W, meaning just the words we use. It's word with the big W, meaning the creative force of the universe itself. And when we can state what it is we want to experience in the form of a prayer that sounds like the big W word... That resonates out in the universe in a hugely powerful way. We really are using the divine creative process by which the universe is made. So when we have clarity, as uh, again, back to Emma Curtis Hopkins, when we have clarity that there is good in the universe and it shall be mine, <laughs> right? And you could sense the capital letters working there. When we have that power and that sureness in our prayers, Absolutely. And we're totally going to talk about this next week. I think we have maybe one or two more questions. Yeah. I'm, I agree that I was probably way to do it on that, but how do you um, 
I know all these people at home on the streets and starving and you know, guys are great and not much let me make sure I have the question right. How is it that our prayers, especially for other people and groups of people, don't seem to pan out? So, so you're absolutely right. There's probably, what, thousands of us praying for the homeless situation here in Portland. So why aren't those prayers being answered? A couple things uh, to keep in mind. One is when you're praying for other people, they have their own consciousness. So, for instance, let's say a friend of mine is gravely ill, and I'm praying for that friend of mine to be completely healed. What if it's not in my friend's consciousness to really be healed? What if my friend is actually hoping that this veil of tears that he might be perceiving at the time is over? He's 85 years old. He's been in poor health for a long time. Does my prayer get to trump, if you will, his desire to pass on to the next thing? So when we are praying for groups of other people in particular, we don't know what's on their minds. When someone really identifies with their conditions, when, and whether it's poverty or a disability or something like that, when someone really identifies with that situation, in a way they're making daily prayers to be in that situation. And so it's very difficult for strangers that don't even know them to have a beneficial effect. However, I would say that our prayers ultimately are effective. There is less homelessness in the world right now than there ever has been before. There's more peace in the world than there ever has been before. In fact, I need to do a good news Sunday because a lot of this you don't even know. The crime rate in America, historically low. The, uh, the gross capital product of the world or whatever the fancy economic terms are, the world is actually in great shape. The Gates Foundation has well documented that, that extreme poverty will be completely stamped out by 2020. That's not that long from now. So our prayers are being answered, but we want to get really specific. See, we're, we're praying for something like poverty or homelessness, uh, but we're not praying for maybe specific people. And so that atmosphere, that prayer, actually is doing something good in the world. But then in my humanness, I want to say, okay, then why is that guy, why is that guy still on the corner? <laughs> Do you see? And so, so even though our prayers are being answered, in bulk, if you will, in general, uh, it's difficult for us in, in our humanness. We want to draw the dot specifically. And, and oftentimes, because we're looking for evidence of things not working, um, we're apt to, to find that. Just uh, one more question, and then I think we got to move on. Yeah. Um, so I pray a lot, and then things go good. You know, I get more to manifest, and then. Something takes a turn for the worse, and then I'm angry, and then I'm praying like anger, and I don't know if that's, I feel like it's the wrong way to pray. This is what you told me to do. Okay, so, so your question is, uh, and in fact, if I might expand on your question just a little bit, um, what feelings should be going on in me when I pray? I will tell you, prayers, in my experience, are answered well when my feelings are in alignment with my desires. 
So if I want to experience more peace in my life, uh, me being angry while I'm doing it <laughs> is probably not going to be helpful. But, but if I can bring up in myself that sense of peace. So if I'm feeling angry, I'll say to myself, wait, 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 wait a minute here. <sighs> Take a breath, Larry. <laughs> and maybe I'll even use my memory to bring up a time when I was feeling peaceful or when I was feeling happy or when the connection I had with my loved one was strong, I'll bring that up in my heart and then I'll pray because then I know my emotions and my prayer are in alignment. It'll be a clear message. When our message is mixed, uh, it's one of the reasons why pe people sometimes ask me, uh, I think of as interesting questions. Uh, one, one person asked me if God understood sarcasm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, where, where you're praying for one thing, but, you know, really you mean something else. And I said, I just, th I just think that's mixed messages. I think we're just allowing the clarity and the purity of the, the love that we want to feel or the joy that we want to feel just to get mixed up. It's like the message gets mixed up. So, so I think uh, as best we can, if we can align our emotional selves with our spiritual selves and use that as the basis for prayer, it's such a clear message to our higher wisdom self. It's, it's ringing the bell, if you will, in a way that resonates out into the world with great clarity, and I think you'll have better results. All right, this month we're going to study prayer in depth. Next week we're going to talk about the specific format, the five-step format that we use in Science of Mind, and we'll talk a little bit about how that works and, and why that's effective. The following week we're going to zoom in on one of the most famous prayers of all time, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about its amazing success out in the world. Uh, and, well, I don't want to say any more. It's going to be a fun surprise, I think, that week. Uh, week four, we're going to discuss how to use prayer and meditation with the specific goal of healing. Where Science of Mind started out was healing physical ailments in the body. And often we neglect that. So week four, we're going to start there. And then for those of you, in particular for those of you who like to pray, who want to pray, to feel called to pray for the world at large, the final week we're going to talk about that and how we can be more effective in the prayers that we do for natural disasters, for people in foreign countries, uh, when we notice something in the world going particularly sideways, uh, how we can be on board with doing prayer. All right, you do have some homework. You're not getting off completely uh, scot-free this week, though. Your homework is just to evaluate how prayer is or isn't in your life right now. And keep in mind those two elements of it. So there are the prayers that we're hoping to have some kind of action taken on, but there are also the prayers that are just uh, s uh, singing praise uh, unto spirit, right? Uh, there are prayers that are musical. There are prayers that are walking in nature. So be thinking of those other ways of prayer as well as a dedicated prayer practice uh, where we're praying for other people or for a specific outcome. All right, I'm going to close, of course, with a prayer. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll have another song, or excuse me, then we'll we'll do the collection. I got excited there for a minute. Where where am I and what am I doing? Uh, so please know with me that there is one power, one presence, one life, and one goodness in this universe, and this thing, this God, this uh, 
This divine presence has it all. All of the love, all of the joy, all of the peace, all of the happiness, all of anything that could ever be desired is contained within that one thing because it is everything, it is everyone, it is everywhere. It is simply the divine. And because that is true, I know it means me. I know that I'm right in the middle of it, that each one of us is a, a smaller manifestation of that larger power of God, that each one of us, if you will, has the keys to the kingdom and the ability to feel love, to feel abundant, to have that lifeliness and wholeness that we desire. Each one of us, uh, just a, in miniature part of the consciousness that is spirit itself. I know that this is true, and I also affirm that that communication between us and our higher wisdom self, that communication between us and God is free-flowing, that through meditation, through prayer, through contemplation, through singing and reading uh, scripture and good works, that through all of this, that connection becomes tighter and more infinite and more powerful. For this, I give thanks. I give thanks for the power and presence of God as it shows up here every Sunday, as it shows up uh, in all of my experiences of the world. I give thanks for this grand life. And so I release my prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.